I've always felt that I want to give, and I didn't really realize until I was older, the need to do more. But I was always very passionate about volunteering and I think children, international aid, things like that, because uh, I was so lucky. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about startups who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it in sunny Western Australia. My name's Charlie Gunningham. And I'm back. Yay! Uh, I'm Danielle Cross. It's great to be back, Charlie. Couple of cracking episodes while I was away, but it is great to um, be back and have the band back together. Good to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. So what have we got for today? Well, we've got the wonderful Katie Liu, who is the founder of the Underground Collaborative, who you know because she went through Curtin Ignition. I know her very well. So excited. Welcome, Katie, and welcome to Startup West. It's absolutely fantastic to have you here. We're excited to be here. So to begin with, can you briefly tell us about the Underground Collaborative, what it is, where was the original idea from? Mm. Yep. So um, started after I was in accounting actually for about 10 years Mm -hmm. and then was being redundant, decided to go traveling for two months in Africa, Um, went camping and overlanding. um, That's different. Kind of really got myself immersed Mm, in the, I suppose, the poverty stricken areas and really- wow getting to understand what it's like in those developing countries. Mm. Um, and also spent some time in a 110-hectare garbage dump in Jakarta. Um, so, you know, children living in mm. mounds and mounds of rubbish, mm. flies, stench, zero hygiene, education. Uh, so needless to say, when I came back, it was a bit of a turning point for me. Right. Um, and then I spent and, about- and Sorry, had you decided you were going to do that? From the beginning, was that the purpose of going to Africa and then Indonesia or did that just happen as you were exploring around? It was very intentional. It was very intentional. I'd always wanted to, like international aid was something I was always very passionate about. Uh. But I always felt that if you're going to go somewhere like that, you need to go for a significant amount of time Mm. and being made redundant was the perfect time to do that. What a gift. Yeah, I think sometimes when you, you know, come across adversity, it's very easy to get caught in that uh, rut of, situation yeah, but I yeah, think yeah. you really need to think of it as a positive and you need that push sometimes to get you mm. out of that situation. What I year was that? Enjoy counting. Um, 2015. Okay. Mm-hmm. About six years I think. ago. Mm-hmm. Thereabouts. Thereabouts. Mm-hmm. 2015, mm-hmm. 16. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then back six to years Perth. Ago. Actually six years ago. Sorry. Mm. Back, then to, back Perth. to Perth. And? And then spent another year in counting. And then oh, I, back into accounting. Yeah, because I didn't know okay. what to do, but I, I was very <laughs> conscious of how do I do something in an altruistic way, not just doing something for the sake mm. of it. And then I was volunteering for my friend's cafe uh, in South Perth and they donated a portion of their profits to their international aid arm. And so I thought, well, I'll do something similar. Mm. But uh, if I do that, I want to employ people who are experiencing disadvantage. And that's how that came uh, about. I mm. actually had no idea or education around homelessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Underground Collaborative exists to provide employment for women and young people experiencing or at risk of homelessness. Right. And our first initiative is the cafe, um, Grand & Co. Right now we're in the State Library of WA and we employ uh, women and young people experiencing mm. at risk of homelessness. Mm. So so when did you set that up? October 2017. Right. So that's been going four, four years. years. Mm. Mm. Feels mm. longer. But also not at the same time <laughs> yes. as I know many startups will understand. That's yep. normal. Yeah. So how did you get it off the ground? So obviously mm. you've described us to the the, the idea kind mm. of point. How did you get Ground & Co off the ground? Uh, I spent a lot of time really getting to understand about homelessness. Mm. Um, 
I didn't really want to just create something for the sake of it and I think handouts was something that I was quite um, passionate about not doing because I think from at least a business point of view, I always wondered how could we do something better um, that would continue creating impact and not wasting money and resources. Mm -hmm. I think the business background really helped with that. Um, just understanding, I suppose, sustainability more from a financial point of view at least. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just really got to understand more about the sector, what the needs were, mm. and having lost my job a couple of times, really understanding the importance of employment and how that can right. really empower mm. people. Mm. Um, and though I had, I'm obviously very privileged to have family and a home, mm. not many people are that lucky, so I think, Still, you know, having been through that, I could have been one of those people who could have very much been at risk of homelessness right. and how that can change people's lives um, and all the good things that come with employment, you know, financial independence and um, the transferable skills that you can bring on to other jobs. Yeah. So there was a cafe um, in Melbourne called Street many people might have know, know about it and they work with young people and they, I think I really adapted onto their um, their business model because I've seen how they can really transform lives in a social enterprise manner. So right. combining the social aspect with the enterprise part of it. So that's mm. how it really came about. And how about the funding of it, mm. finding the homeless people to work mm. in it? Funding, um, had zero funding. So. Right. I mean, when you're starting a business, especially a not-for-profit, it's so competitive and mm. there are so many organisations working to address these social issues. So demonstrating how you can provide impact is incredibly mm. hard. I think it just starts with the one person. I, and for me, it was building relationships and knowing people who know people who will take a chance on you. So I was yep. incredibly fortunate. It took a long time. Mm. Right. I'd say a good two years to get even just a relatively small amount of funding. Um, and then I just didn't spend anything until I needed it. So that that included not having a wage. Um, I think for three years I still didn't earn anything. So basically volunteering, Leaving off your your savings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how did you connect with the homeless people? Was that with an Mm. association, with a housing group? Uh, Oh, yes, sorry. So we partner with um, services. So we work with Zonta House, who's a women's refuge. Uh. And also Anglica who work with young people. Right. Um, and that was really part, important as part of our business model because I'm obviously not in that space. I don't know much about social services from an experience point of view, a professional point of view, and how can we fill that gap and so we're not duplicating services. And if they're doing that already, mm-hmm. it's important to know that we can collaborate rather than just recreating the wheel. So they provide that wraparound support. They provide the referrals for their clients who are ready for work because um, that's also really important as well. Mm. Um, and then just working with them because they don't work in the employment services space or providing employment. So that's a gap I recognise that we could fill. Right. And mm. obviously the government is very big on providing jobs, um, especially for people who are experiencing disadvantage. So that's mm, a really okay. important mm. part of the business model. Yeah. Mm. And I love how considered you've been, and I know this about you because I had – met you in the early stages of you, um, you know, the germination of the idea. Mm. And it's in your title, Collaborative. Yes. So how, and you spent a lot of time building relationships, really understanding where there were gaps and not duplicating. I absolutely love that. So how did you build that 
you know, and grow that network. It's so important, as we know, for startups in the for-profit, for-profit, not-for-profit. Mm. How did you go about building that network and those collaboration kind of points? I just went to a lot of, well, I think specifically from the homelessness point of view mm. is um, connecting with people who work in that sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was starting to become a lot more spoken about because we were finally starting to recognise how bad it mm-hmm. was getting. Um and actually my first point of contact was Kathleen Gregory, who was the CEO of Foundation Housing, and that was just through LinkedIn. Mm. So actually really cold calling people mm-hmm. um, from LinkedIn and just asking them, how can we help you in this space? Mm-hmm. And then she would refer people who would refer mm-hmm. people, and that's how it really started was just right. that one connection. Um, stepping out of your comfort zone because when I was working in mining and resources we were the client, so I didn't ever need to use LinkedIn or go to networking events. Mm-hmm. We kind of just did the job. Mm. Um, so that was a real learning curve for me as mm. well. Mm. But you kind of have to do it. Otherwise, you'll never yeah. grow. Uh, you'll never yeah. be able to meet the people that you need to meet mm. and to learn what you need to learn to do the job that and you need to do. How long in mm. were you in, and when you went to Ignition and why do Ignition? Well, I am a Curtin mm. alumni. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Counting, presumably. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Commerce. Commerce. Mm-hmm. Commerce and business law. Uh-huh. I don't think I ever used. And I actually um, started doing my CA and then I started to do, then I finished my CPA. So spent like a good four years following. So certified practice accountant, right? Yeah. CPA, yep. Yep. I don't think I ever used that when I was, well, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I did at some stage, but it felt like I never did. Mm. Right. So when did Ignition come into the oh, picture? Right. Mm-hmm. And how'd you hear about it? Presumably you hear about it because you're on the alumni email list and you go, hmm, that Possibly, looks interesting. or maybe through Town of Vic Park. Maybe. Mm. But I was at that point where I was just subscribing to everything. I, right. would, I would really just- Help me. Try, yeah, I'm doing I this new to, thing. Yeah, right. absolutely. What's out there? Yeah. 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 And yeah. I would just yeah. follow everything on uh, social media, Facebook mm-hmm. events, and you right. know when the algorithm knows what you're looking at, it would <laughs> right. provide more suggestions. And then I'd go to Eventbrite and I'd look for events that were uh-huh. in that business space. Um Accelerators, and I think I why not? I think I did do uh, an accelerator through Impact Seed, right? Um, and so just trying to accelerate and learn more about business mm. from a startup point of view. Mm. And even though I don't think Curtin Ignition had as much of a focus on not for profits at that point, I think you were starting to. You're absolutely right, starting to, but yeah, certainly not as much as now. But yeah, yeah. But it was mm. so good mm. because I think for me, even though certain networking events or accelerators or things like that aren't specific to what I'm doing, it's always good to meet new people because you don't yep. know who they know, who they know, et cetera. So, mm. um, so I spend a lot of time doing that. Right, okay. Probably like a good two years. Mm. Mm. I, I, yeah, and I remember going. that about you, Katie, with just your thirst for, <laughs> you know, knowledge and, and it, but, but in a considered way. And I think some of the advice that you've just shared then is, is, you know, pertinent to anyone mm. that, at that idea stage as well. So I absolutely love that about you. Um, in terms of challenges around the business and funding, can you talk us through some of those? Uh, well, I think any startup right. uh, experiences challenges with funding, mm. um, and I think from a social enterprise point of view, from a not-for-profit point of view, social enterprise is so new mm. in WA, uh, yeah. in Australia. Um, so I now sit on the WA Social Enterprise Council and that's only starting to really take off now. But um, there's not enough knowledge, I feel like, in that space. 
which is fine. I think it, all things take time. And sometimes I think it's a good thing because we can really build it to what it needs to be rather than just adopting what's already happening. Mm. So that's, I think yep. is a, if you wanted to look at the silver lining. Mm. Um, Some other challenges apart from funding. Mm. I mean, there have been quite mm. a few getting this up and running. Yeah. Well, I mean, specifically from the cafe point of view is finding the right – well, or any – sort of industry really is finding the right partners yeah. as really, really important. Um, finding the right location from a cafe point of view specifically mm-hmm. yeah. is also challenging. Um, I mean, we've had situations where people have kind of tried to take advantage of us as an organisation, right. mm-hmm. um, which has been really disappointing. Right. But they're all the learnings that you go through and you learn to trust your gut yeah. more. Um, and, and not cafe business is a difficult business anyway. It, it is. There's a lot of costs to it. Yes. Labor costs Very and unit costs. Mm. And you're charging $4.50 for a coffee. You know? Well, I it's think like, prices are going to increase apparently as okay. well because the coffee, there's a coffee, coffee shortage yeah. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. transport and supporting the local farmers and things, it's all going to increase. Yeah. And But your business model is ever changing. So it's obviously the foundation, this is my understanding, is retail. Well, sorry, is is the is the cafe, but you're branching into gift boxes and you know, is that correct? Is that uh well the gift boxes is something that I thought would just be nice. So I'm kind of trialing that at the mm-hmm, moment. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that we're not a gift box business, but mm. it could be mm. something mm. to branch into. Mm. Um, conscious that I don't want to stop a step on anyone's toes that are already doing that. Although mm. there's always space for there is there was space yep. for that. It's, it's um, always everyone. creating impact. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we are working on our strategy and how we can further our impact mm. uh, and provide more employment pathways which don't require us necessarily to create more social enterprises because then we won't be able to ever mm. scale mm-hmm. in the way that we need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how are you planning to scale? This is a sort of a startup podcast, mm. so it's a cafe, mm-hmm. one cafe, state library. Are you then looking to sort of do more and more of these, or go into different areas, or what? What are you looking? I to personally grow it, to have um, more impact. Presumably, you yeah, need to grow, right? Yeah. Well, since opening the cafe, um, I really, re- I, I've always known this, but I really recognise that you can only employ so many people at one time, and it's you know you want to do it for a long relatively long period of time, mm-hmm. six to 12 months for someone. So when you can only do that for a year with two people um, right. to create impact is incredibly, um, or I suppose deep impact mm. at scale is mm-hmm. not how I oh, It's a big impact for that, the people involved. Absolutely, yeah. Huge impact. But when mm. you think about how many people need mm. that right. support, mm. um, yep. it's not enough. And I think because I get so impatient, so I, I think for me is more how can we collaborate more and be more innovative in how we create those employment pathways. Mm. Right. Um, and I think my experience in the corporate space and understanding more of the CSR mm-hmm. beyond, you know, volunteering from a food packing, food delivery service, which I also understand its need, yeah. it, in line with our mission to break the cycles of homelessness, how can we engage corporates more? How can we educate them more on homelessness? Mm. So could it be that we work with them to learn how to meaningfully employ someone who's Mm. been through disadvantage? Mm. So then that then then leads to them going into that corporate space Uh um, Mm. and filling their market need because we can only create so many cafes, have the right partnerships, have Mm. the right funding for it, 
find right. the right baristas mm. and, and all that and people who want to work in hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. Is there so many other yeah. challenges? But I think um there are other ways that we can So how can you branch. collaborate with corporates to get homeless people jobs? Yeah. And therefore they can get homes in any job. Exactly exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Beyond just the cafe. That's right. right. And maybe we just work with our cafe as the training ground. Mm. So I think there are so many transferable skills in hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, attention to detail, coming to work on time. Mm-hmm conversational skills, all the things that are so important in any job, in, any in job. life in general, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you can go on to uh, use in other career aspects. Can you tell us a, like a really heartwarming success story from mm. someone who's come through? Oh, I'd yes. I'd love to hear. Yes. Without naming names, obviously. Yeah. Um, so when we had our coffee cart, we worked with a um, beautiful lady. She'd been in two abusive relationships and right. wasn't allowed to work, wasn't allowed to have any sort of friends outside um, her relationship mm. with her ex, exes. Uh, and then she came to work with us for a little while. And then we had to close because of COVID. But even still, she then went to work on um, at the Ritz-Carlton full-time. Wow. And actually earlier this year, she picked up the keys to her own apartment. Whoa. I think which in itself is pretty amazing during COVID. Absolutely. Yes. But the fact that she'd done it um, on her own, saved up enough what money to get the bond. Yeah. Mm. And she's... And you know, confidence. Confidence, yeah. Confidence. And dignity. Yeah. And dignity. dignity. Yeah. And, yeah. And so now she's mm. no longer in um, refuge accommodation. Mm. She's no longer on government support. Government support. So she's right. fully, you know, we've broken that cycle of homelessness, mm. which is, I think, amazing. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. And many more of those as well. Yeah. Um, I know you've... Um, pulled together an amazing, as it called, a board or a, or a committee yeah, or board. advisory board. Yeah. Um, and I think that's you know terrific, and lots of startups can can learn from your experience with that. Can you talk talk us through how you've pulled that together? And I know you've got some fabulous people on your mm. on your board. Mm. Um, again, cold calling, not not Ashy. It was <laughs> select select. Well, I was going to say <laughs> cold sure. calling on LinkedIn, but it wasn't. Like I'm yeah. very, like you say, very selective mm. in um how we engage with board members. Mm. And as a not-for-profit, we legally have to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we first brought on our chair through my partner. He's very, I don't know, he's pretty well connected, knows a lot of amazing people. So um, through him, mm-hmm. we managed to get a really good board started. Mm. And then, again, people who know people. So I think all of our board members have been through connections and referrals mm. or people that I've just connected with over time. I know sometimes people will put or organisations will put like a call for yeah, express, sort of yeah, expression of interest. Yeah. But I've been lucky that we mm, just okay. do it through connections. And mm. what's their role? Mm. Their board's role? Mm. Governance mm-hmm. primarily. Um, but I think from a startup point of view, it's very much more intense for them. It's a lot mm. more uh, involved. Right. So very grateful that they do give up so much time because mm. normally when you work with an established not-for-profit it is just you meet two months and you do your governance and mm. um, the sort of things that because it's yeah we've got so much going on yeah that they just give far more than well, they open member. doors they they help you in other other ways beyond strategy just governance, yeah right? yeah absolutely yeah. yeah I mean strategy is part of the board's role as well mm. Mm. but the amount of time they give in doing so mm. is incredible because they're connected to your vision mm. Mm. yeah. yeah. Hi, just jumping in here to give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors. Without these, we would not be able to bring you this podcast or do what we do at Startup News either. So we want to thank Startup News who produced the Startup West podcast. Go there and subscribe, please. 
Spacecube Coworking Spaces, where we also record this pod down here at Riff in the city, the New Industries Fund, who give funding, advice, and support all year round, Curtin University, who have been a long-time supporter of innovation entrepreneurs in WA, the city of Perth, where we also record this pod, also a great supporter of the tech scene, RSM, who came on board last year, and who helped many startups with R&D tax returns and other advice, Dinner Twist, a WA startup itself, who has actually been on the podcast and just wanted to help out. So please, if you bump into any of these organizations and the people that run them, say thanks and go use their services. That's the best way to say thanks. Okay, now back to the show. So Katie, can we take you back through your career um, to begin at your schooling? So you were born in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So talk us through, talk us through that. Your early, yeah, your early mm. years. Yeah, so I was born in Kota Kinabalu. Came when I was two. Mm-hmm. So don't really remember much of my mm. life in Malaysia. Mm. I don't go back often enough. Right. Very shameful. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm one of five girls. I'm the youngest. Right. So I think for me there's a lot of pressure for all my sisters really to, you know, to do well in school. That mm. was my parents' dream was for us to go to university. Mm. Right. So And yeah. what were they doing in KK and, mm. and why did they move here? Mm. Create a better life for okay. us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wanted to well, I think my parents had gone through a lot. Back in Malaysia, families, right. things, okay. you know, as many families do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so where did you go to school in Perth? Went to school in Ocean Reef. Mm-hmm. And right. then I got a music scholarship in Churchlands. Did so you? I played the violin. Oh, wow. Um, Bless. So that was, yeah, caught the bus and the train. I think, you know, all character building, catching the bus and train. All the way down Absolutely. from Ocean Reef. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then obviously you have orchestra practice and choir practice. Yes. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Did you I, keep up with your music? Yeah. No, I dropped out in year 11. <laughs> Terrible. That's all right. I still play sometimes, but not very well. My two both went to Churchlands. Oh. My youngest is on leavers coming back today. In fact, right. just finished at okay. Churchlands. Yep. My eldest is at UWA. But, yeah, they started with music and then they insist that you go in the choir. They which do. Which is totally uncool. And so they drop it after that. Oh, that's oh. a shame. What was your favourite subjects? Mm. Who are your great teachers? Can you remember? Mr. What- Dembo. Mr. Demba, what, Mr. He what did he teach? Geometry and trigonometry. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so well, much. hence the cool. yeah. accounting. Yeah. Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do when you so-called grew up at school? What you were going to go to? No. Do? So my so the, my sister, the next one up from me, she's a mechatronics engineer, and then my other sister, well, so one sister's a mechatronics engineer, other one is a cytologist, so she studies cells. The other sister is an electrical engineer, gone into accounting, and then my other sister is an incredible graphic designer, so she actually helps a lot with our graphic design. Mm. So I felt a lot of pressure when I was in school. So because my uh, so my other sister also went to Churchlands, and the, right. and the older sister went to Prendival. So I think because following in my sister's footsteps and she's so smart, mm-hmm. I thought I had to do the same subject. Mm-hmm. So I actually had no passion or smarts in the science or um, math space. Mm. And Except actually, for your excellent Mr. Dunbar. Dembo, Dembo, Dembo. Yes, Dembo. Mr. Dembo. 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 He was hilarious. Um, <laughs> okay. He made GNT so much fun. Okay. Um, but then I didn't go into Talk cat- about geometry here, not, not gin not, and tonic. Not Correct. that I have yes. on Friday night. Good. Yeah. That would be worrying. He's That'd bringing out the worrying. GNTs. <laughs> yes. No wonder he's a popular teacher. <laughs> right. Um, Any entrepreneurial spirit when you were at school? I don't think so. Like I think for me I just felt like I had to do what my sister was doing Right. So I didn't really know 
where I wanted to go, what I, what I wanted to do. I just thought that's what I needed to do to make my parents happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I very nearly failed school because I was just not good at maths or science. Okay. And I, I think for a long time I had nightmares about chemistry for oh. for a while mm. um, because I just didn't yeah. excel in it at all. I think English was probably – my stronger if I had to yeah. pick one, mm. but even then it wasn't. But those are that you should have done different subjects. Mm. Right? I should have, yeah. You should have followed your heart or what you mm. wanted to do. Yeah, but I didn't know what it was because right. it was just so like what driven you thought to. Yeah, that was what it was. Yeah, so mm. then then that's how I end up doing commerce is mm. because it seemed like the natural progression. Right. For where to go. Mm. Um, I'm sure it's better now. And of course, you're in a school now, Danelle. But I'm really concerned about how students actually, and I'm a former teacher myself, mm. pick the subjects. Mm. At, they're such a formative age mm-hmm. based on yeah. weird information mm-hmm. yeah. that is often wrong. Mm-hmm. And then they're stuck with these subjects. Yeah. And then they think they're a failure. Well, I did calculus in year 12 and I failed. Right. Mm. Because I thought that's what I needed to do, mm. to yeah. do whatever that was. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, but I'm actually very grateful that I end up in accounting because I spent some incredible years yeah, in mining. Yeah. Really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. I worked on site, did fly and fly out for about four years. Mm. That was so much fun. So straight to Curtin, accounting or BCom. Yep. And then straight into a mining accounting job. Yeah. And that was at the height of the boom. So I was also very right. lucky then I went to travel Went to Adelaide, I think, for a year. Mm. That was so much fun as well. Mm. And then I went to work on Mindsight, um, did Fly and Fly Out for four years. I think that was really good for me because um, really immersed myself in that culture. Big industry. Mm. Yeah, and mm. not being stuck in the corporate office, mm. which I thought that right. I wanted to do, but uh-huh. I didn't because y- I think when you're working in that space, you feel like you need to climb the ladder. Yeah. And actually, I had no idea until I didn't. That I didn't. So you kind of just do it thinking this is what seems to be the right thing to do. When actual fact, you just go with what you want to do. So it was the big trip away for a year after 10 years of accounting because you'd not done a big overseas expedition. Correct. You'd been on the treadmill. Yes. Right. And having success and getting through your accounting, was that one company or a variety of different mining companies you're working with or for? A variety. So it was Newmont and then uh, Rio Tinto, then Chevron. And then so was that redundancy, obviously the mining boom's over now and there's mass redundancies. So that probably, yeah, 2015, 14, 15, that sort of period was mm. a downturn. Um, that was just like, I'm going to go and do something completely different. I'm going to travel, I'm going to see the world. Yeah. yeah that, was the, that was the whole uh, idea behind it. Yeah, well, I'd always been, I think I mentioned I was always very passionate about international aid, but I didn't know how to, and I spent a lot of time thinking, how can I marry my accounting skills with international aid? And there actually are some programs out there. Mm. But again, I felt like you need to go for a significant amount of time. And I was in relationships that didn't really allow me to do so. I always felt like I was tied down. So when I was made redundant, I was single for the first time. So it was Mm -hmm. perfect. Um, I think had I not been in a relationship, I probably would have done something sooner, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I don't obviously regret it that, mm. you know, you go through your last journeys as they sure. come. Mm. But um, I just wanted to make sure that what I was doing was the most altruistic as it could be without doing it for the sake of my ego. Yeah. So. Where did that come mm, from? I'm sorry, mm. In your life story, where is that um, need to help others mm. come from? My parents. Right. So I think seeing them sacrifice so much for us, Mm. especially being the youngest, I think I was probably more privy to seeing what they did for 
well, I mean, your older not that my older sisters didn't see mm, it, I guess, sure. from a different lens. Mm. Um, and I, I always thought that I would want to sort of give back to what my parents have given. Like mm. my mum worked two jobs. My dad worked incredibly hard. Um, you know, I never had to pay for my braces or my hex debt. I think things like that that I'm so lucky – they did that for all of us, mm. our kids. Wow. Mm. Amazing. Mm. There's no way they could have done that if they didn't work as hard as they did. Mm. So I've always felt that I want to give, and I didn't really realise until I was older, mm. the need to do more. But I was always very passionate about volunteering and I think children, international aid, things like that because uh, I was so lucky. And you've come back and you've done it. Amazing. Um, so besides your parents, which were obviously fabulous role models for you, what about mentors, role models along the way? Or my sisters for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't know who I would be without them. Mm. I think also being the youngest, doesn't matter how old I am, I'm 36, I look very young, they'll still treat me like, you know, their baby. Yeah, the baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they always look after me and I'm so incredibly lucky. I don't, yeah, don't know who I would be without them. Mm. My chairs, I don't mean the chairs that we sit on. Chair, <laughs> chair people, I've had a couple. And the um, board, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the board, of course, mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner and just people along the way that sort of are mentors of that, you know, being in a mentor capacity, mm. yeah. just come along and support and help. And what's your view of the Perth startup scene mm. and how you've seen it evolve mm. over the last few Amazing, years? yeah. Mm. Well, I think when I first started, I really had to seek out startup support but also probably because I didn't have any knowledge around startups or social enterprise for that matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I'm in it more now that I see more of it, right. but I definitely think it's getting more traction. Okay. I think we're going to finish with the rapid quickfire round. Let's do it. Are you ready, Katie? I'm ready. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm Listen, ready. Really enjoyed this discussion. Thanks yeah, very much, Keep going. Katie. It's great. <laughs> okay. So what's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? For me is relationships. If you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being or perhaps wish away? More knowledge around social enterprise, how we can do more good with business. Who do you most admire in the local scene, a company or a person? I really admire Street, that social enterprise I mentioned before, and Melanie Perkins from Canva. Amazing. Mm -hmm. We all do. Mm -hmm. And what do you do to get away from it all, relax and refresh? Oh, I think when you're so immersed in your business, you can actually kind of forget your identity. So I'm at a rediscovering my identity phase, I think, again. But I'm wanting to do more things around the house, like interior design okay. and get more into the stock market. So it's not really Doesn't like letting like No, I know. <laughs> I don't think you do relax. <laughs> no, I think I'm not very good at doing nothing. Yeah. But sometimes doing okay. keeping busy can be a form of relaxation for people. Mm. Okay. That's probably me. <laughs> and last one, how can anybody listening help you? We could always do with some funding so we can expand our impact, but simple thing is to come to our cafe, mm-hmm. meet our amazing employees, mm-hmm. just choose where you get your coffee from. And how do they yeah. get in touch with you? Website? Um, website, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn Quick email, plug for the website? www.theunderground.org.au. Theunderground.org.au. And all my details will be on there. We can all do that. Yes. Fabulous chat, Katie. It's been so great to chat to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. We'd like to wish you all the very best. Thank you so much. Along with the Underground Collaborative. And uh, we've got to thank our sponsors because without them, we can't do this. Startup West is produced by Startup News and made possible by support from these wonderful organizations, Space Cubed. The New Industries Fund from Jitsi, Curtin University, the City of Perth, RSM and Dinner Twist. 
And we recorded this podcast at Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth on this fabulous sunny day. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite pod platform. Bookmark the Startup West website where all of our episodes are live. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. And two quick shout outs to two other podcasts. There was a Perth Podcast uh, Festival recently. And there's so much good podcasting going there on are. in Perth. So the Perth Prop Tech Radio Show by DRN1 and by the amazing Callum Ashton, mm-hmm, you who know. Who we've had on, yeah. And one just this week I became aware of, um, uh, The Growth Trajectory. He's ah. just starting that one up. So that's going to be on YouTube. So that, well, go, and, go and check them out. Tune in. Thanks, Katie. Yay, thank you for having me. Fabulous, thank you. Thanks.